Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Hell. Ah, it's Heard Tell Show. It's a Wednesday. It's December the 29th. Only a few more days in the year of our Lord 2021, but we're going to finish strong with good information for you here on Heard Tell, turning down the noise on the news cycle and getting to things that we really ought to be talking about. On the show today, Josh Buckhalter uh, talking about a little sports because culture and sports and politics all meld together. We're going to do a little year in review with him. Some real big developments as we end the year. Uh, in sports, and we're going to get his perspective. Great guy, great follow on Twitter and his blogs. You need to make sure you follow him. We're going to talk a little culture and sports and what 2021 was like in that realm. I'm going to talk about uh, being a good global citizen. I know people react when they hear that term, but that's part of being a citizen because that thing you're holding in your hand or watching the show on right now means you have worldwide reach. We're going to talk about why on Hertel we still talk foreign policy. There's a big push that we shouldn't be talking about foreign policy and the things of the world. We should just focus on America's problems. Uh, We'll address that, and we'll talk about why we do the way we do on this program right here, plus a little bit of good news in the program, as we always try to do uh, as we try to finish this year out. But first, uh, we cannot get away from it. COVID, again, is the main headline, so let's talk about it. The uh, FDA is looking at reducing quarantine times down to five days from the 10 and also five days from the 10 if you're boosted and uh, asymptomatic. Uh, The Biden administration, President Biden is now talking about, um, he bless his heart, he's rediscovered federalism. He's declared uh, it's a little out of context. You need to listen to the entire thing that he said. But he is talking about how a lot of these uh, COVID issues with Omicron and going forward will need to be dealt with at the state level. 
which is a drastic change from his campaign promise that they were going to stamp out COVID-19 and deal with COVID-19. I'm paraphrasing. Don't get that twisted. Um, Let's talk about this COVID for just a second, though. Once again, I will advocate what we have been saying all along. You need to get as much information about this disease as you can from reputable sources. You need to discern it. And you need to make the best decisions possible for you and your family. The numbers speak for themselves. If you have a vaccine, your chance of getting the disease goes down. And if you do get the disease, like this Omicron variant, which seems to be much more susceptible for people to get it, it will lessen the disease in most people. You need to also factor in the thing that a lot of people don't want to talk about, pre-existing conditions, what your overall health is. That greatly affects how the course of the disease plays within your own body. You need to think about your family, your work situation. If you don't want a vaccine, is that going to put you in trouble with your job? If you do get a vaccine, are you going to be able to continue your job? Are you stuck where you have to work from home? Are you in a service industry job where you had to work regardless? These are all individual decisions that are getting lost in the cacophony of the noise around COVID-19 and the Omicron variant. Now, The data, as our friend Michael Siegel, who we have on to talk about these things frequently, uh, the data on Omicron is not complete. So this may change. Make sure you're staying up to date whenever it is you're listening to this. But it looks like the Omicron variant is going to be highly contagious, but a little bit lesser in symptoms. And again, don't get that twisted either. If you have pre-existing medical conditions, if you have uh, susceptibility to things, that may change for you from the vast amount of people. You should always take these things seriously, but the main trend that is coming out of Omicron and that we're seeing is we have to start finding ways to live with this virus. We cannot shut down large swaths of society again. We're not going to shut down large swaths of the economy again. The lockdowns just are not going to happen again because people cannot deal with it again. They're not going to tolerate it, and I don't think the political willpower is there to try to do it again unless there's some specific outbreak type situations. So once again, the best thing to do with Omicron is not yell at your TV. It's not to go on Facebook and mash send and post on every this, that, and the other conspiracy theories. It's to use a little bit of common sense. If you need a vaccine, go get a vaccine. No, there's not nanobots in the vaccine that's going to turn you into a robot or a zombie or whatever the crazy conspiracy theory of the day is. If you have an issue with getting this specific vaccine, Make sure you get good information as to why you might have questions about it. There's nothing wrong with honestly questioning it, but don't get conspiratorial and talk to your doctor about it. Talk to your healthcare provider. Follow good information online, not nut job conspiracy folks who think that it's going to turn you into a zombie or it's going to put a tracking chip in you. Those things are just not true. Don't get caught down that path. If you're worried about your children and you're worried about your family, the same applies. Get good information and good good decision-making that applies to you and your family. What the president's really saying here is they're running out of things they can do. But we knew all along that there was only so many things that the government was going to be able to do. The virus doesn't care about politics. The virus doesn't care about people. The virus is not a thinking thing. It's It's just an organism. Its only thing that it does is reproduce itself. That's all it does. It doesn't think. It doesn't care what your political party is. It doesn't care what you think about it. It just goes forth. And at some point, 
we need to do the same and go forth. We need to take precautions. We need to get our vaccines. If you have a problem with the vaccine, you need to take other measures to try to take care of your family. That's up to you. But we have to go forth here. And fighting each other over the COVID-19 disease is not helping anybody. I understand there's political pressures and people want to argue over mandates and coercions and things like this. I get that. That's not specifically what I'm talking about here. But start at what you can actually control. You, your family, your community. How can you start living with this stuff? There's too many people that are just in abject fear of this thing. Now, Look, I'm one of them. I have vast pre-existing medical conditions. Uh, I had to talk to my doctor frequently about whether or not the vaccine was going to be okay for me because I have abnormal physiology and other issues. And they told me the truth. We don't know. So we had to go through a process of deciding to do that. I ended up getting the vaccine. You need to do that same thing. Turn down the noise. Don't talk to the whack jobs online and don't just take somebody else's word for it or follow a talking head who's trying to get you to watch their program's idea of it. Talk to your healthcare provider. Follow good information online and make good decisions for you and your family. I'm saying that repeatedly for a reason. We do a lot of yelling at the TV. We like to take the issues of the day like COVID, go online, and turn them into the cudgel against the people we didn't like anyway. But this is something that will actually get into your home at some point. Almost all of you probably know somebody that was affected by COVID-19 by this point. And if you don't, somebody you know did. We need to not lose our humanity in these things. And your humanity starts with taking care of yourself and your family. Personal responsibility. You can control that. You may not be able to control what the president does. You may not be able to control what the FDA does. Things like how the FDA has completely botched the home testing program. The, I, we've already talked about and criticized this administration and the last one for that matter. The FDA did a horrible job of putting tests in the hands of people so that they can make good decisions for themselves. That's a problem. That's something we can't complain about that's valid. So do that and advocate for that. But that doesn't change you taking care of yourself and your family. If your premise on COVID-19 was to wait for the government to save you, you were starting from a bad premise to start with. If your premise at the start of COVID-19 was, it can't affect me, it's not a real virus, it's a fake, I'm bulletproof, you also was working from a bad premise. Thankfully, most people were somewhere in the middle where they were trying to educate themselves, learn as they go, and adapt to the situation as it was. But those two extremes of people are very loud, especially online and especially in the media environment. We need to turn down their noise. And we need to do a better job of taking care of ourselves. And then we can do a better job of taking care of each other. Once we've done that, we can start worrying about the politics. We should hold our government accountable for not doing this very well. They've not done well in some areas. There's a few areas they did really well in. We shouldn't lose fact that these vaccines, this is moonshot type technology that's going to change the world because now they can use the same technology to develop other vaccines like for malaria that they're working on. So let's not lose track of the good stuff that's going on. Omicron looks like it may be a fast, very vicious, but ultimately quickly passing and not overly deadly strand. That's what we're hoping right now that may change. And if that's the case, be very careful rewiring everything about you just because a new variant came out, because there'll be another one after that. There'll be a new set of guidelines. Trust the science has become a buzzword, but part of science is honestly questioning, and science is always questioning itself and always changing. You can't control that. You can control you. 
take good care of yourself first. Take good care of your family first. And don't be a jerk to everybody else who's trying to do the same, even if you disagree with the way they're going about it. At some point, this is going to pass and we're going to have to come back together. Make sure you're not making permanent enemies over the temporary COVID-19, especially with people you love and care about. More Hurtel right after this. Back to Hertel. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, however, you're listening to the show, make sure you comment, leave a rating, and interact with us, whether it's on social media at Hertel Show on Twitter, or you can send us an email, Show uh, at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We will respond to you. We'd love to engage with you. Uh, also, my Twitter handle at Fourth of Fire is right down there, reverse camera. Uh, you can feel free to interact with me on the twitter.com. I would love to hear from you. There's a conversation going on about the role in foreign policy. Uh, we talk a lot of foreign policy here, maybe not foreign policy specifically, but we talk about what's going on in the world a lot. Uh, we do that on purpose. We talk about China. We talk about Europe. We have our friends on uh, from overseas in the UK and elsewhere. We're working on getting people from uh, the Middle East and East Asia. We want to get voices and perspective from all over the world, because thanks to technology and the internet, even our little program like Herd Tell, we can have a global reach, global audience, and a global perspective on things, even though we're talking about things that affect us in our homes and families and communities. We do this on purpose. Um, there's a debate in certain circles about uh, the role of foreign discussions and what we should do. Uh, normally, I don't like to just take a tweet somebody said and take it out of context and just put that out there. But I'm just using this as a jumping off point because a lot of us on social media was discussing this and it caught fire. Um, I'm going to use a tweet from Josh Hammer, just the background on Josh. He is a Claremont Institute alum, so he is very much a national conservative. We will talk about that in just a minute if you're not familiar with the term. Uh, he's the opinions editors for Newsweek and various other things. But he tweeted this out and it kicked off a conversation among a bunch of our friends quoting Josh Hammer here. Uh, a recurring theme of some recent conversations with conservative friends. I am, we are having an increasingly hard time caring about U.S. foreign policy. There is simply so much domestic rot right now that the focus must be on getting our own house in order, period. He continues in the next tweet. Uh, that's, of course, slightly oversimplified and perhaps slightly overstated, but the point stands. That's Josh Hammer, Josh underscore Hammer at Twitter. Uh, if you want to read it for yourself. And again, his priors, he's coming from a nationalist conservative point of view. Um, what does that mean? Uh, by his own admission, and in fact, his pen tweet right now is a piece he wrote addressing the National Conservative Conference. Um, he talks about that they don't need to be worrying about foreign policy because of what he calls domestic rot. Uh, and he is meaning almost exclusively cultural rot. And their argument is that all of our attention should be focused on cultural matters here in the United States. Um, I disagree with them, and let me lay out why. And it also goes to why on this program, we will always talk about things going on overseas, and we will talk about America's role in them and our role as individual uh, citizens, not only as American citizens, but as people that inhabit a planet. We need to talk about these things. Uh, you can do both. 
I can acknowledge problems in America. We can work on problems in America. And we can also understand that there's a whole big slice of world outside of America. And America's 330 million people are a small slice of that world. There's a lot of moving parts. Now, you can say this is a ball spinning within a ball, spinning within a ball, but spinning on a globe that's spinning around the sun. And you can make your head hurt about it. But perspective is essential to understanding the times we live in. It's essential to how you discern things like news. And it's essential if we're going to maintain what we try to do here on Hertel of turning down the noise. You have to know your place in the world. You have to know your place in your community, your nation, and your own family and yourself. Yes, it does good to start with yourself so you know where you're at and fix all those problems. Clean your own room first. A famous guy made a lot of money on a book over but you can clean your room and still worry about what's going on in the rest of the world at the same time. You can do both. I offer and proffer and frankly am adamant that we have to do both. Um, There's this large wave in the conservative movement and on the right right now of national conservatism. I think it's dangerous, not just for disagreeing with them on some politics stuff, but this idea that we can just ignore the rest of the world and work on ourselves, that's never worked. It's never worked in the history of time. Every time we do it, the world becomes a bigger, messier, uglier place that we end up having to deal with in a big, messy, and ugly way. Now, every time I say that, those folks, too many of them will immediately start nailing you as a warmonger and thinking we want to get involved in wars everywhere. No, that's that's childish. There's a large spectrum between going to war at people and caring about the events of the world and trying to be proactive to make the entire world a better place. There's a wide spectrum between being a warmonger and sticking your head in the sand and pretending reality is not reality. We can live in the middle there somewhere. So if you're going to be a bad faith actor and just accuse me of being a warmonger, you're not going to be listening to what I say anyway, but let's just acknowledge those people exist. Just by the way you're watching this program, you are by default a global citizen. Technology, if you're watching on YouTube or on any of the streaming services or on a podcasting platform, you have the ability to have worldwide reach. I know you may not like that, but that's the truth. What has COVID and the supply chain issues and domestic and foreign policy taught us in the last couple of years? You're a global citizen. Supply chain issues can affect you whether you like it or not. COVID-19, which came from China, despite what China wants to say about it, affected you whether you wanted it or not. The idea that you can just focus on American issues, not the rest of the world, is folly. History tells us it's folly. It's not only folly, but it makes things worse. And again, we're not advocating to go to war everywhere. If you're going to be a toddler and just yell warmonger every time somebody wants to discuss foreign policy, you're not ready for grown folk discussion. I'm sorry, you're just not. The world is the way it is, and pretending that it isn't the way it is isn't going to help anybody. Furthermore, too many folks who want to adhere and preach the thing that we're just going to focus on cultural issues and nothing else usually are doing it for a reason. That's because it gets high engagement, because it keeps you engaged in just that part of the discourse and politics and culture. And that keeps you engaged in those things, which means it keeps you reading their stuff. It keeps you monetized. It makes you a mark for them and a business item. That's why we call it culture and politics that we talk about here on Hertel. That's why we talk about turning down the noise. It all goes together. If you're just going to focus on culture and nothing else, you're just going to wind up at the wrong end of the bottom of a funnel, getting a whole lot of bad stuff poured on top of your head. Wider perspective is needed. You live in a global world. America is part of the global world. And whether you like it or not, what goes on in that world affects you greatly. A strong America, a good America, 
is essential for the world as a whole. Just because we're not doing great at it doesn't mean we should just ignore the rest of the world and try to fix it. We can do both at the same time. We must do both at the same time. And we shouldn't tolerate anybody that says that we can't do both at the same time because they either don't understand what's going on or more than likely they're selling you something to try to get you to ignore the wider perspective that you need to properly discern the times we live in. I know some of that's going to sound a little harsh, but that's okay. The world's not going to stop changing. It's not going to stop spinning and it's not going to stop marching forward. And if you're going to pretend that it is just because it makes your cultural priors feel good, then you're doing yourself a disservice. You're doing your family a disservice. You're doing your community a disservice and you're doing your country a disservice. What does it say if we're going to limit our country to nothing but a cultural debate? I know people have strong feelings over cultural issues, but we live in a pluralistic America. That means there's going to be a lot of people that are Americans, that have rights as Americans, that have citizenships as Americans, but they may have a very different idea of what culture is. You're never going to have a sameness. You better figure out a way to all work together. Because if we're going to be a good citizen of the world as Americans, we got to start with treating each other with a little bit better respect. Focusing only on cultural issues may make you feel good. It may give you an in-group of people that agree with you and slap you on the back and tell you how great you are and how right you are all the time. But it's a dead-end path because everything in the world isn't about American culture. And it's definitely not about your specific viewpoint on culture. The wider perspective, starting with the world, starting with the globe, and talking about the wider issues in a pluralistic America where there's a lot of different people, is essential to understanding our times. Otherwise, you're going to get took on a ride being told that everybody's like you and everybody that doesn't agree with you is inherently bad. That's not the case, but that's what people want you to believe. Pay attention to what's going on in the world. It'll save you a lot of grief about what's going on in your very home. More Herd Tell right after this. Welcome back to Herd Tell. Uh, everybody's doing their end of the year listings. We've done some of those. We talked with Michael Siegel yesterday on the program about his year in space, a lot of space news. Josh Buckhalter today about the year in sports. We're going to do some more of that as we finish out. And we're going to be doing more of those sorts of things, talking about the year in review over the next two days as we finish out 2021. Um, Stacker.com, which does a lot of listings, they had the 10 biggest news stories of the year. Uh, what you would expect, uh, the January 6th riots, the inauguration of Joe Biden, um, things like this. There's a couple news stories in here that were really important uh, that I agree with them that they listed. One was the Ever Given halts global supply chains. Ever Given was the massive container ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. That was part of a bigger story on supply chains over the years, but that was a good example of how people maybe for the first time noticed uh, shipping. There's a book called The Box. I re really recommend you get it. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's in paperback. It's in several editions now. Um, but it's called The Box. It's about shipping containers and how shipping containers change the world. That book will teach you more about geopolitics and economics than just about anything because 
that's something about how the world really works, how you get stuff at Walmart or the dollar store or even a high-end store. Uh, it's called The Box. I recommend you go read it. So The Ever Given is on this list. Um, COVID-19 vaccines. That's obviously a huge thing, especially the way it's being available to all. The billionaire space race. We've already talked with our buddy Michael Siegel and his thoughts on that. Mental health dominating the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, I know people sometimes have trouble with competitions and understanding mental health. We're going to have uh, pretty soon reach out to some of our friends that we've had on Hertel before about mental health. That's an issue we're going to talk about on this program. Uh, we talk about culture and politics, but your mental health is a part of how you view culture and politics. So going forward, just so you know, on Hertel, we will be talking mental health here. And I've been open in my writing about my own mental health struggles, and we're going to talk about it publicly uh, because it's important. And then the one story that really dominated a lot of things, but not for as long as it should have, America's withdrawal from Afghanistan, that is also on the list. But they put two things on this list that I greatly disagree with. The rise of NFTs, if you're not familiar with non-fungible tokens, uh, this is basically a thing, I'll just read it from Stacker, the exact date that non-fungible tokens or NFTs were introduced to the world is not consistently reported and is up to debate. But 2021 can be credited as their most culturally important year to date. On March 13th, Christie sold the first NFT artwork uh, for $69 million. Building on the blockchain revolution, the sales represent a significant shift in the way people create, purchase, and authenticate digital art. I do not think this is a trend that will last. This is also, uh, I'll be nice, Th this is not a sustainable thing. There's a lot of, I'll just call it what it is. There's a lot of movement of money under the radar that goes into these things. There's a lot of money laundering and other things. Uh, I would not expect this trend to last. So I disagree with them on that one. The other one I disagree with this list on is the release of the Facebook files and the quote unquote Facebook whistleblowers. I think that's a work. I think that's all from Facebook. Facebook is spending millions and millions of dollars to try to get themselves regulated for reasons we've already touched on on this program. They want regulation because they're big enough to deal with the regulation and it will squash their competition. This whistleblower would be the first whistleblower ever in the history of ever to advocate for the exact thing that the company she's whistleblowing on, in this case, Facebook, is spending millions of dollars advertising to have done to them. None of that makes sense. I think it's a work. I think we're being conned. I think this is all Facebook trying to get the regulation they want because they know they'll be the ones to write the regulation. But anyway, stacker.com, that's their 10 biggest uh, news stories of the year. Most of them I agree with on. Those two I took exception on. Uh, we'll be back with more Hertel right after this. Back on Hard Tell and thrilled to be joined again, once again, with our buddy Josh Buckhalter. He's uh, from the Triple Zeros podcast. He writes for Clocker Sports, does a lot of stuff, covers NBA and NFL, and a friendship that I treasure. So I'm not going to bring up anything Chicago Bears related, my friend, but we may ask you about Wendy's French fries before we're done. How are you, sir? I'm feeling well. How about yourself? Not too bad. How's the snow for those of us down here suffering through 70-degree weather? Ouch. I, I wish that uh, I could suffer that way. It's, it just started, so it's not bad. It's supposed to be a winter weather advisory, though. So fingers crossed. Well, at least somebody's getting some Christmas weather somewhere. Um, uh, let's let's just start with something in your wheelhouse. You cover the Atlanta Hawks, the NBA team, but this is a problem throughout the NBA. 
the news today that not only is the team uh, have an outbreak, but the GM announcing that basically the entire support staff, trainers, coaches, the video people, everybody has it. We look like we were on a good run with the COVID-19 stuff, and now the NBA has got issues. The NHL has actually suspended everything. We have the NFL postponing and rescheduling games, which is really rare. Uh, what's going on out there? Because this looks like a mess all of a sudden. Well, um, as you know, the Omicron variants going around, and they have distributed the increased uh, amount of positives to that. Also, the increased amount of testing. Um, but you've also seen the CDC reduce guidelines or the, the amount of time that people have to isolate. So it's kind of a confluence of, of, of variables here that are bringing these numbers up. You've had a lot of the guys who have been taken out before being asymptomatic. You've had some who are uh, out just to be in contact. So the numbers are high. I wouldn't necessarily say it's actually getting worse because, for like you said, with the Hawks, they are they have, I believe, it's up to 10 active members, active players uh, on the COVID list right now, if I'm not mistaken, something along those lines, double digits easily. Um, they're, they're the worst in the league at this point. However, they were one of the last to actually get affected by it. So um, while it's, it's been kind of prevalent throughout the whole season, for Atlanta in particular, it's just kind of, kind of hitting them. And as far as, you know, what I tweeted out, it's going to be hitting the Bulls too. They've actually dealt with it. I think everybody but one player has had it, you know, and been out, even the coach has been out. Um, so this is going to be something that's going to be going on for the rest of the year because, as we've seen from the, our government, doesn't know how to deal with it. So the NBA actually doesn't know how to deal with it. And, and let's talk about that for a second because the perception is, especially like with the NFL and the NBA, they have all the resources. They have, you know, doctors following these guys around basically 24-7 if you're counting trainers and medical staff. They have all the money, all the resources, everything, and they're still having trouble with it. Um, there, we know the NBA did the bubble thing and that worked really well. Uh, I would also argue that because they weren't traveling, the quality of the basketball was higher, but that's another discussion for another day. They're not going to be able to do that at this point in the season, almost to the midway point of the season. So is it just that they're going to hunker down and go, we're just going to have to grin and bear this for a couple of weeks and hope it moves on? Because I don't know that they really have much of a choice at this point, do they? No, you, you nailed it. They've kind of dug their heels in and this is kind of the, the bed that they've made. I will say that I think the biggest factor for, for the Orlando bubble, in my opinion, was the travel, but also not having the fans bringing things in and outside and also setting kind of that example of, I don't know if you've experienced it in the workplace, but when you see outside coming in, not having the, the type of uh, protocols that you're following, masks and all that kind of stuff, it can kind of have an effect on those who are inside the building regularly, not wanting to follow those same rules. So I think that, you know, kind of like just basically locking down is what, what did them the best. And now you're seeing they're just members of society when they're not on, on the court. So they're bringing it back just like everybody else's their workplace. This is this is it's a microcosm of what we're seeing in the country. Yeah, really tall members of society, but members of society nonetheless. It is kind of a interesting full circle, though, because the NBA and we know what happened with poor Rudy Gobey in the press conference. The NBA was kind of the dam breaker for people really starting to get a consciousness that this COVID-19 thing was coming in the beginning. So it's kind of apropos, ain't it, that now that when anytime we have a variant like the Omicron now, it's again the attention of sports, the NBA right now particularly, but also the NFL. It is a reflection of society, as in not just how they're dealing with it, but it just raises awareness for everybody else because that's something that they're paying attention to that may not watch news or politics. Well, I think it's honestly as simple as these are the healthiest individuals in our in our country, right, or on our planet. These are the people who are in the best shape. These are the people who go out there and do 
superhuman like feat, and if they are susceptible to this, the same thing with the with the resources. They have this great field, uh, health and and all the medical attention you could want, and yet and still they are. You get reports from guys who have been back then talking about COVID's no joke. So, um, uh, Carlton Towns lost seven members of his family last year. Like this is this is something that I think while we're looking to the NBA to to kind of deal with it, we're we're seeing how how similar really they are. You know, we kind of put that we put athletes and celebrities up on this pedestal all the time, and this is one of those kind of you know leveling the playing field type of things that I I just. I'm just really kind of surprised at how how much we're still looking to sports for guidance when clearly they're just you know trial and error like the rest of us. Yeah, talking to Josh Buckhalter, who does uh, all kinds of great sports work. You need to follow him at Josh G Buck on Twitter and all his various writings. Uh, the NFL is the biggest name in sports. It's the biggest game in town. It's the most popular TV show in America. They made a big show back in the fall when the season started that they were going to get it right and they wanted their teams to have their protocols in place and everybody was going to have to get their vaccines and da-da-da-da-da. They've had some embarrassments with things like uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Antonio Brown situation, things like that. But now they've actually had to postpone and reschedule games and they've gone to from we're going to take draft picks to you to don't worry about it. Uh, how do you read the NFL? We understand they have to adjust because they didn't know Omicron was going to be different or whatever, but how do you think they've done now as they try to wrap their season up with a little bit of chaos? How have they handled it, especially compared to something like the NBA and the other sports leagues? I think the best thing for the NFL right now is that their their regular season is wrapping up. Um, I think with the, the fewer teams playing, fewer uh, less travel, you'll see the numbers kind of uh, maybe not necessarily go down, but level off. We've just seen – crazy numbers of players being added to the COVID again, a lot of them reporting being asymptomatic. And as far as the NFL setting itself up to look like it was in control of everything and then having the Aaron Rodgers stuff, remember, the NBA just had LeBron tweet out uh, the Spider-Man meme for COVID and the flu and the cold. So, like, it's, it's just, this is, again, just a microcosm of society and the, NBA, and the NFL, excuse me, like the country as a whole tried to put on this front that we knew we were doing in reality, we don't. And that's why I say the best thing that happened for them is the, the playoffs coming around because it's kind of just taking it away from them, right? Like the all season for baseball is, is the lockout. is probably a good thing for baseball right now because they're not dealing with all of it. Um, NHL is probably kind of happy. They're not the most popular sport in the country right now because they're not having to be on the front of, of, of the doorstep trying to figure out how to handle it. Right now, you're again, we're looking at sports world, the NFL and the NBA in particular to kind of show us what our next steps will be. Their signs, their, their, they're canaries in the coal mine, right? If the NFL can do this, and they're lowering the, the days that people have to be isolated. Uh, I've seen people react to that in ways like, oh, well, maybe that means we're about to turn the corner. And I'm like, um, I don't think so. I think that just means that they're kind of dealing with it, kind of accepting the way that it is. And it's, it's a far cry from the start. But again, if you saw how the NBA went, this was kind of how it was going to go because we, we're seriously just trying stuff out. And, of course, the problem the NFL's got is they're really hoping this thing is the two- to three-week bump. A lot of the people are kind of hoping and praying that it's going to be because the disaster for the NFL is if you start messing with the playoffs, isn't it? Oh, you don't – so we talk about digging their heels in for the regular season. There's no way they're stopping a playoff game. At that point, it might be like back in the day when you had chicken pox parties and they were just giving it to you on purpose. They're probably just going to give COVID to that. Hey, look, everybody's got COVID. We're playing the game anyway. Because you're not stopping playoff action. I promise you. Go to the game. They might put you up and suit you up for the game. They may be shorthanded. 
Um, talking to Josh Buckholder, talking a little bit of sports and culture. Uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back with Hertel, get some of his stories of the year and dig into more of his sports knowledge. He's great. He, he gets a good perspective on the culture and politics of sports along with just the breakdowns of the game. We'll be back with more Hertel right after this. Tell show we're continuing with our buddy Josh Buckhalter, uh, who's been on the show before, and we hope to make a regular thing of it because he brings great perspective. Uh, talking a little, uh, everybody else is doing an end of review. I know COVID dominated it. We've kind of already talked about that. What's a couple of your sports stories of the year for 2021 when we look back on it? Maybe some of the ones we aren't thinking about right now, but what do you think dominated? Because you do the blogging, you do the covering of the games. What's some of the themes of 2021 you're going to take into 2022? Uh, I, I think, honestly, it's going to be how, how much COVID has really impacted sports. Uh, my brother and I like to you know, discuss our, our uh, friendly gambling. You know, we do the fan duel. And just watching the patterns and how players being shuffled in and out of lineup affects the way they perform, the teams perform on the field. Um, that's been probably the biggest thing that I've noticed. It's just you don't know what you don't know. And, and that, I mean that not even in terms of COVID, just in terms of what you're going to get from a player on a given night. Uh, you have guys who return after layoffs and, and uh, drop 30. You got guys in the NBA. You have guys who come back uh, and, and you don't hear from them for the rest of the season because they're still trying to get over it. So I think that just adds a certain number, another level of uncertainty to an already, uh, an already uncertain uh, industry in sports. And then personally, I think, my biggest sports story was I got to uh, cover my first Bears game in person uh, a couple of weeks or last week, uh, the Vikings game. And just the, the, the difference, the feeling, right? It's a lost season for the Bears, but the feeling in that stadium of the fans and, and just knowing how the, the energy of that stadium could be if they were winning, I think that's probably the biggest thing I'm going to take away. So that and the COVID. And also, I want to say you made my end of year review for, uh, for the podcast. Your, my interview with her too. Oh, we're we're big time now. I appreciate that. Great. We're going to have you on more often too. You brought it up. I think one of the endearing things was uh, in sports this year, especially with the NFL. Um, you mentioned FanDuel and stuff. Th- this was really the year that gambling really, I think, took over sports. Is just not like people don't even think about it now. It's just commonplace. It's just part of the game. Uh, we know what happened in the college game with players getting paid, but I think the gambling thing, because the NFL's released the numbers now, viewership is through the roof. Viewership of even games that normally wouldn't get good ratings is through the roof. And the demographics of the NFL audience is diversifying. It's almost half women now, things like this. I think gambling is one of the really big things in sports. You cover it, you participate in it. Uh, do you see that the same way? It's funny you say that. My cousin uh, doesn't know. LeBron James from Adam calls my brother last night and, and shows him a ticket. Hey, what, is, what does this bet look like? And $50 bet, he wants $1,000. I'm, I'm telling you, this guy has no interest in sports beyond that, that ticket and probably to impress somebody that he was with uh, the other day. And that kind of reach for somebody, he's, he's, he's in his mid-40s, right? He doesn't have any interest in sports. But because there's an interest in gambling and, and the, uh, the added – you know, return of it on his investment, not just his time. 
I, that's what you get from everybody. That's why you see the demographic shift. I love it. It's, it's great. It, whatever to, to expand the base, I think is, is always a good thing. You know what it is? It's the March Madness effect where your grandma or your cousin or somebody that knows nothing about basketball fills out a bracket and wins the pool just because they like the team colors or whatever it is. It, it breaks down the barrier now, and it's a competition within a competition now where people can just gamble on it. They can just look, you know, like the pro the pro betters, they just look at the lines. They don't even look at the teams, really, that sort of thing. This this is really something – this is a societal shift. I don't. It's beyond sports, really, because like we've talked about before, the NFL is actually beyond sport now. It's a cultural thing. This is really a societal shift with how they consume entertainment like sports because it makes it interactive in a way – that I think you're you're going to see a huge groundswell of live sports because there's just no replacing live sports as we've seen with the streaming services and the contracts. But now that people are engaged with their money, I think the sky's the limit with this stuff, isn't it? It, it, it definitely is because um, one thing that we do in this country better than anything is spin. Um, even in times of great, great uh, pain and strife, we find a way to spin. So an outlet for that on, on what we, you know, when, when everything shut down, right, one of the biggest complaints was that there was no sports to escape reality from it. Now you've got escape from reality, added in with our, our, our favorite pastime, are flushing our money away, and boom, here you go. Yeah, and sports sports is not only an outlet, but it's become a conduit for what you're doing anyway. So I think when we see a lot of the political stuff, it's folks, it's not just the escape anymore. It's just a continuation for folks because it's become, and a lot of people, and it's always been this way in fandom, but social media and technology has changed this. It really becomes your own little community, doesn't it? Because a lot of these fandoms now, they reach out internationally. You see like, you know, Premier League soccer fan clubs in the States. You see NFL teams, their fandoms go on their social media nationwide. They're, these are communities now, and they need to be treated like kind of almost their own demographics and communities, don't they? No, that's exactly what it is. And that's the funny part about it is you get so much crossing of, of ideals in sports discussion that one topic that has people completely on opposite sides of the room will have them you know, holding hands on the next with, and crossing with somebody else. It's such a fascinating study because it's kind of like politics where on the surface we all are screaming and shouting for you know one thing or the other. When you dig deep, there's a lot more in common and, and a lot more nuance to discussion than I think most of us actually realize. And and that's even within individual fan base. That's not even just you know in sports in general. That's from team to team. So it's it's sports to me, like I said, with just with the COVID thing, it's always been a microcosm of, of our society as a whole. And you see the pace with COVID, with gambling and everything, really take on the characteristics of our country every time, every every seismic shit that there is. Yeah, I was talking to Josh Buckhalter. Okay, uh, you are insightful. You break things down. You explain them so that everybody can understand them. Uh, you pose the question, and I'm going to give you the platform and the forum. You said on the Twitter.com, Josh G. Buckhalter at Twitter.com, and you will defend your tweet now, sir. I'm calling you out on it. Are we going to discuss Wendy's fries? All right, have at it. Wendy's French fries. Give me the breakdown. All right. So if you grew up in the era that I grew up with, <laughs> the yellow Wendy's fry box, you know that Wendy's fries have not, they've never really been the top. They were yeah, there's, back there's in the validity day. to the accusation. You have a point. Yeah, so they've never been known for that. They, they, then they went with the sea salt and the skin-on thing that, that just, I don't know who told them that was a good idea, but it was bad. It's been about, what, close to a decade, maybe a decade for those. 
So they recently came out with this new, you know, uh, hot and crispy fries, and they 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 made this statement that they were preferred almost two to one to McDonald's, and that's what got my ears perked up because, as we all know, McDonald's fries probably top of the crop right now uh, in the fast food world. So I had to indulge myself and go find out about the uh, hot and crispy Wendy's fries, and let me just tell you, they are valid. I'm not going to say that they're better than Wendy's than McDonald's fries, but they definitely have an argument, and I I would highly recommend them. Try it for yourself. I'm just old enough that when I was a real little kid, I remember the original McDonald's French fries before they took the beef tallow out. Um, that that was basically starch-based cocaine. Like those things were so <laughs> addictive. Like I I can remember those. Um, I know they did the live edge fries for a while. I think they were trying to rip off in and out a little bit there. Uh, I have had these fries. We have a Wendy's uh, close to my home. Uh, I would slot them probably my top three, four, five, somewhere in there. They're not the very best, but I found them to be really good. But you know me, we do the Twitter Supper Club hashtag on our food and things like that. I would have no problem putting Wendy's fries on my social media. I thought they were good. And especially, you know, food and sports are, you know, that's yin and yang. They go together. Uh, I like the Baconator fries, though. I like my, you know, put a little ranch on there, too. Just kind of mix it all up, eat it. But that's just See, I had to try it with the new fry because the old fry, that's the only way that I can eat them and dress it all up. Well, I'll see what, what it's like now with these ones. Uh, I'll get back to you. I may start reporting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We need to have a in-depth, maybe a, maybe a little bit of a flow chart there. Put it together for us. Um, Josh Buckholder, uh, I always appreciate your uh, – insight and your perspective on things now that we're doing herd tell daily we'll definitely be having you on from time to time talk a little sports and culture and politics because they're just going to keep colliding let folks know where they can find your stuff my friend uh, it's always my pleasure to join you you do great stuff uh, follow me on twitter at josh buck you can also follow my podcast at three zeros pod that's the number three zeros and pod on facebook and twitter yep it's a good podcast check it out uh, follow him on social media, especially right now. You know, uh, the Atlanta Hawks are going to be in the news. He covers them. You can get that kind of information. Pray for his Chicago Bears and their IR trial, and we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Back to Herd Tell. Uh, we always try to end on a, a good note. This uh, little item comes from the week, theweek.com. Uh, they they listed a piece of good news for every month that was in 2021. This one's their December one, quoting from them. When Dusty Hudgens found a book filled with recipes from his late mother and other women who worked in the school cafeteria of Abilene, Texas, he knew people in the community would enjoy reminiscing about their cooking. He got the discussions going on Facebook, and memories came flooding in from people who said their mothers and aunts had contributed to the Our Favorite Recipe book. Hudgens was able to contact the publisher to make new copies and all proceeds from the $20 book go to a local organization that feed kids during the holidays. Hudgens was able to contact the publisher to make new copies of this cookbook from the school and all proceeds from the $20 book go to a local organization that feeds kids during the holiday. Uh, there's a link in this piece if you want to look at the cookbook, but what a cool thing. Back when the lunch ladies actually made whatever they wanted. Um, and some good food. I know I remember the lunch ladies from my school. Uh, finally, a uh, cool little story to end the day on. Um, that's why we do Twitter Supper Club and the food group, uh, bring a little joy to folks, and those people are important. 
Uh, I know my own grandmother actually worked as a school cook for a time. So good stuff, good memories. That'll do it for her tell. However, you're watching on YouTube or the Facebook page for Big Talker FM streaming, uh, listening on any of the podcasting platforms or the streaming service. We sure appreciate you. Make sure you like it. Make sure you share it. Make sure you leave a comment. It only costs you a click, but we do ask that you let somebody know about our little program. We'd sure appreciate it. We're going to keep turning down the news cycle noise as we finish out the year. More great herd tell coming up tomorrow. So wherever you and yours are across the street or around the world, we sure appreciate y'all. We hope you're well. We hope you're well fed. Talk to y'all tomorrow. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.